podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I am Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. Are you feeling intergalactic today? Not like the Beastie Boys song. Oh man, I was gonna yeah. Shout out to the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to say they're that. involved. I'm always feeling intergalactic. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to say that. Make that seem like an illusion, and then go on the bananas journey we're about to go on for the next 25 <laughs> yeah. minutes. That feels deeply misleading, like cruel, <laughs> cruelly misleading. Yeah, just would not be right. If you're listening for the first time, folks, you are listening again to the Lightly Literary Podcast. We're a book club and kind of book analysis recommendation podcast. We do a little bit of both on the show. You have found a book recommendation episode today for the Inkal or the Inkle, depending on your pronunciation. It is spelled I-N-C-A-L. It is a graphic novel by Hodorowski and Mobius. That is the collaborative duo that made this graphic novel come to life, and come to life it does. <laughs> if you're <laughs> unaware of our book recommendation episodes, we thank you for tuning in. Our attempt today will be to persuade you to read this book with us, because we'll be discussing it on the pod for the next two weeks, so our analysis book club episodes will come out every Friday. And yeah, today we're just here to recommend and try and persuade you to read with us. We do have social media accounts at Facebook and Instagram, at the Lightly Liter- Ugh, Literary Podcast, a tongue twister, but easy to type. It's at the Lightly Literary Podcast. <laughs> which is all one word, by the way, so easy to search and find. Follow us there for updates about the books we're doing, the schedule. We promote the podcast and stuff there, too. So, yeah, give us a follow. Any ratings and recommendations always helps, too. So tell friends and family. Put a five-star rating on wherever you found this. I think we're up on most major providers. We do appreciate that. Amanda, any words of warning before we take the psychedelic trip into the in-call? No, just... uh... Just enjoy the ride, guys. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I think our podcast will be more, more coherent than this story, but who knows? You never know. We'll find out. We've at least got segments planned. Let's start with the first one. We're going to begin with our rapid-fire recommendation. We're going to, Amanda and I are going to bounce some quick descriptions of the book off of each other and see what we think of them to see who might like this or kind of give a broad recommendation to people to read this. I'll throw them out there first, Amanda, because I cheated. I got a three-parter to start, but I have to clarify each component, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I think that you should read this book if... You, one, have heard the term space opera before, two, can define said term, and three, like those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have heard the term space opera, but I had I was not sure what that actually meant. Um, the closest thing I could think of was the fifth element because there's an actual opera sing- uh, scene in it. So <laughs> You love to see it. Love to see it. So, yeah, Um, you should read this book if you like complexity in your plot lines. Ooh, is it considered complex if it doesn't make any sense and doesn't really work, but it happens anyway? I mean, it's complex in that there's a ton of it. It's then also not complex because as soon as a new thing happens, which is almost constantly, it will explain it to you. I mean, whether or not it stops to make it make sense is a completely other thing, but I guess I suppose I'd say you might, if you're really, um, I wouldn't even have to say you have to be nitpicky or thoughtful about plot. Like, if you just pay attention in any regard, this might bug you, but you kind of have to give yourself over to that. It's It doesn't let yeah. up. It's not... If you read the first, you know, 30 or so pages thinking this seems like it's introducing a lot and not stopping, it, it only like deepens that. It doesn't it never pulls away. So heads up. Yeah, it's 
It's it's the the conflicts specifically the the amount of of differing levels yeah. of conflicts. Hundred yeah. percent. I think you should read this book if you enjoy stories that feel like myths or maybe even religious legends. Ooh, I like that, especially considering the religious components of the story. I think religious legends is really interesting choice there. Um, you should read this book if you're okay with the idea that people's relationships can turn on a dime. And I'm thinking like Disney stuff where people just fall in love the same day. So I'm here to tell you folks, you should not read this book if that bothers you. <laughs> you absolutely, if that is why you read us any story, um, I think graphic novels, again, get a unique pass in my mind artistically because there's so many things about them I love that have little to do with like character development per se yeah you should not read this if that will bother you you definitely should not do that i think you should read this book if you prefer versions of outer space that are wild and unpredictable and have nothing to do with science at all Mm mm-hmm yep i like that it's uh like cowboy bebop more wild and about a hundred times more unpredictable than Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> I will say that right now. <laughs> but I was thinking about the the non-focus on the science yeah, aspect. Yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. You should read this if you enjoy chaos, both visually and in writing. I wish the writing was a little more chaotic, but totally, it's it's sumptuous, it's indulgent, it's frankly insane at times. Yeah. But yes, it's quite enjoyable for all those reasons. I think you should read this book if you don't mind when storytellers are rampantly bullshitting you right to your face. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, and it's so true. Um, <laughs> and they don't care. And they don't care. And they're not going to apologize. They really don't care. <laughs> nope. Hodorowski did not give a fuck. Nope. <laughs> you should read this if political, religious, and even media philosophies are interesting to you. Yeah. Uh, we I, we get kind of swept up in some of the grandiosity in our analyses uh, in those episodes. There, there's some decent political and religious readings that could be done here. I think if yeah. you, if you go into it with those lens through those lenses, there there are some stuff to unpack for sure. I think we gravitated to other things, but yes, those elements are here. I'll let the ultimately the reader slash listener decide on the depth and worthiness of those things. Mm-hmm. I think you should read this book if you plan on or hopefully enjoy rereading or reviewing, however you want to say that verb, graphic novel pages just because you enjoy it. I think that this is um, a novel where if you can get through the initial chaos of it and you come back to it, the the artwork itself is like rich enough. I agree. It's, you can definitely do that again. And coming back to it after reading Mm -hmm. the initial time, if you can read it again, but have a more focused lens, I think that that would also be great too. So yeah, totally makes sense to me. Um, you should read this. If you like subtle, subtle world building in your sci-fi. And the subtlety compounds with the speed because it is rapid and subtle. So it's <laughs> it's like here's some subtle insinuated things occasionally about a world or a setting or a place or a people. And then it's like we're on to the next one, buddy, you know, strap in. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really a combination <laughs> of those two things. It makes a extremely unique pacing, gives it a unique mm-hmm. pacing. 
All right, let's do another segment. If that wasn't enough persuasion for you, listener, we got more segments here. Let's talk pop culture touchstones. We do like to also, in the recommendations, give some kind of connection or comparison to a, a common work that you might already know. I'll throw them in out there first because mine's more obvious than yours. Yours is cool and actually fits kind of perfectly in a way. Y'all, okay. let's talk. Let's talk Star Wars, Amanda. We just talked about it on the other episode, which I'll stop alluding to now since the listeners won't hear it for two weeks. <laughs> but let's talk <laughs> Star Wars. I, I, here's what I'm thinking. This one came out in '81. The original Star Wars in '77 and '80. I, I have to imagine that picking this up around that time would have been a very similar feeling. And I'm trying to evoke the. Here's the problem with Star Wars real fast. Let me say this. If you say that to a person in 2022, it's all of the weirdness of Star Wars has already been accepted because it's been so ingrained. Like, yeah, they can't out weird themselves because it's the world has so many rules. This is like encountering that level of sci fi zany world building, but it's all new and made up. So it's like. I just think Star Wars is a lot weirder than people remember, and so there are people give it credit for, maybe. And so the the ubiquity of it has lessened that, but this, I think, might feel... Reading this kind of, I imagine now, what people felt when they walked into that theater in 77, and were like, there's a talking dog, kind of, and there's a garbage <laughs> room, and this the spaceship's a moon, but it's not, and there's a space wizard, a la- like, when you just list it off, of course, it's all so much weirder than you'd... Than, we think of it now. So I, I do think right. this was like uncorking a similarly f- fulfilled, huge in scope, sprawling world. And it's just gets weirder and weirder the whole time. It just never relents. Yeah. It, that I like that comparison because you could also say if star Wars had begun instead of as a movie, but as a graphic novel mm-hmm. with a set limit of, of like pages, too um i think that yeah that that would have been it would have been just as chaotic and and also grandiose as the inkle i I just want to say too this is like a hundred times crazier than star wars i I really do believe (laughs) that too but i just wanted to bring that point out to show that like sci-fi when it becomes so culturally infused can seem we just accept the tropes in the world building at face value this is you're yeah. gonna have to like re-accept <laughs> you have to re-accept this world because <laughs> it's gonna hit you as so odd and have so many strange moments in it that i just think you have to For get sure. yourself in that mindset again i think aesthetically i'm gonna steal this from you it really did remind me of the fifth element the most like aesthetically the just visual vibe and everything even like the mythic mm-hmm. element of it or something mythic quality yeah. anyway so that's sorry i know i'm i'm going over long but those are mine no that's great um i said that uh, i was thinking specifically of um the artwork when i was describing this and it's Mm -hmm. uh studio ghibli mixed with 90s superhero cartoons oh yeah so the superhero cartoons i'm thinking of is like spider-man and x-men from like the 90s uh in the early 2000s like i grew up watching those i love those but the color scheme for that for those shows is exactly what you're going to encounter here and also the the faces that you see where it's like from far away uh the the cartoons in 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 those shows were often like you know, just small features, but then like there's always these zoom ups of these um, of their faces during like emotional moments and stuff like that. And that's exactly 
what you get here, but for the background and the environment and the non-character based descriptions, I would say it's more like uh, Studio Ghibli, like early Studio Ghibli, like um, interesting Valley of the um, um, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the we encounter the Medusa in in this, but yeah, that specifically made me think of that movie. A hundred percent. It's just like the the background where it's like there's more muted colors with certain natural elements that Mobius uses. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like these fantastical creatures that are almost grotesque and like kind of creepy, but also like weirdly beautiful in a way and the um yeah. the grime and the the like the detailed lines but that are also kind of like more sketchy like in the background that all made me think of things like spirited away and hmm. um Howl's moving castle and stuff like that it's just i i think of of the environment that's depicted in Mobius's work here as that. I think too, Nausicaa aesthetically is the comp the comparison of, of note there, and especially the scale. There are some scenes in Nausicaa yeah. where there it's just really grand natural settings of huge scope and stuff, like when she falls yeah. under the world or whatever. I forget the terms. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that I think is the perfect one. Can you think then, Amanda? Let me do this. Let me stand up right now. I'm gonna Uh-oh. metaphorically stand up and shout. <laughs> do you think there could be in terms of emotional decision making and storytelling a more opposite comparison than this in Studio Ghibli their movies are so delicate with the main characters and so intimate and feel very personal and like cautious and slow I feel like now granted their stories can be violent so if there's the nature one and like they, they can be intense but I just feel like they have such a care for their characters this is like taking characters putting them in like a bag and then like throwing the bag in a waterfall or like throwing you know or i don't know what the metaphor i'm going off with here is but it's it's like be it's like bashing them around and with ghibli just they're like the ultimate measured storytelling group i think of them and pixar even i think is a little more reckless and a little more loud but studio ghibli i just it's like the ultimate kind of good quiet people making good quiet art that's interesting and introspective not that it doesn't get weird or intense um i just the vibe of these is just so different to me but the art i yeah that's a great comparison i'm not sure if you feel that way about the actual like storytelling yeah, the storytelling is like totally opposite, right? Like the there's it Studio Ghibli stories are hyper focused on a particular message that they're trying to send out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um this is not. The, the in calls <laughs> messages, what the fuck is what the fucking fuck is going on here? <laughs> the fucking universe, am I right? This whole fucking thing? <laughs> Using up all my like four podcasts worth of curses for that, but that I, that is the message of the in call, I think. <laughs> yep. Y'all ever just fucking think about the fucking universe? Fuck. <laughs> oh, good coming coming down off a good high, that's for sure. All right. Let's let's leave the pop culture touchstones there. We've got a couple more things planned here, folks. If you're still unconvinced to take this ride, uh, we have scripted pitches planned, so we've pre-written some things, actually wrote down some coherent thoughts that we can deliver here. Amanda, why don't you start off with your scripted pitch for the Incal? Sure. Um, Chaos. (laughs) Chaos Mm. in the art, in the plot, in the fantastical futuristic world of the Incal. 
but what wonderful mayhem. The short story the, sh- the the story travels at the speed of the Enterprise escaping Captain Kirk's intergalactic lovers. Yeah. Mm. Um, but this speed lends to the chaos of the story, but it also detracts from the story if you really care about characterization and details. If you don't particularly care for that in a novel and only care about big ideas and big conflicts, well, here is the perfect book for you. I personally do care about details and characterization, and it did bother me that there were so little of it in in this novel, but... It didn't bother me enough to detract from my general admiration of this work. The Mm. conflicts are multi-layered and reflect some of reality's real issues that we encounter even today. The world building is subtle and not over-explained, and the artwork is phenomenal. Without the artwork, the world building would seem flat and the conflicts would lose their urgency. This graphic novel is worth a read through, and the artwork is definitely worth some study. Oh, definitely. The art is, it's why I picked it, and it will be the thing I remember about it for sure. Any any final, um, do you want to bandy about some adjectives to describe the art? <laughs> there's so many that you could use. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's beautiful, it's colorful, it's, it's really nice, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And there's, hey guys, uh, if, if you like nudity, there is some nudity. So. <laughs> <laughs> an incredibly odd end of the pitch but fair it's true amanda amanda's here for the most debased elements you know she's here to talk to you i got you guys do you want to yeah do you want to discuss anything in detail while we're here i mean do we want to do some is this the do you want to do the areola minute or, or something <laughs> we and it's not just that we see naked women we also see the main character naked a lot okay want to do a quick so. check-in on that little uh, little shaft <laughs> chat want to do a little shaft <laughs> chat here <laughs> it's not detailed though right it's it's, it's not there's it's never not. any like close-ups on anything but, no definitely not um but you see you see stuff you see butts yeah it's you a, see some sex. it's a mature story for a mature audience i'm definitely not gonna yeah. like explicit tag this i might have to because all the f's now but who knows i'll, I'll forget by then <laughs> All right, let me do my scripted pitch just real quick, and then we'll talk final segments. Um, folks, the Incal is simply put, unhinged. This is an yeah. adjective that I think I've started to overuse now and abuse the last maybe couple of years. Maybe it's a COVID thing. I've developed a, a love for this word, but I just do <laughs> not care. Tick. Yeah, I don't care. This graphic novel is a testament to and maybe an indictment of unrestrained creativity um, I, I don't know anything about the creation and publication of this endeavor. I don't know the publication history, don't know the limitations placed on the writer and the artist during their creative process, but I can testify based on what is on the page, and this is a hell of an unpredictable, psychedelic, borderline incoherent adventure story set in space. It's also like, if you told me at the end of this that what didn't take place in space at all, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I don't, I'm not even really certain what happened. There were spaceships, but... I don't know. It it's, it's feels fanta- so fantastical as to be whatever you want it to be at times. Um, it also takes place in the land of like subatomic metaphor, too. So who knows? Yep. There are more than a few genres that grace the pages, so I guess I should describe them briefly. Perhaps this will entice you. In a sense, it is a grand mystery story of good versus evil, of like control versus freedom, of life versus death, 
pain versus ecstasy. So there's kind of a big archetypal thing happening. In another sense, it's a total hero's journey with like an all-time reluctant hero who also there's kind of a romance plot with him too with John DeFool is his name or DeFool. So it is kind of a hero's journey-ish. In another sense, it's a political thriller on a totally massive scale. At some point, there are 72 or 78 billion people they have to persuade to do something. So it's <laughs> you're talking about massive governments of intergalactic scope that have billions and billions of lives under their thumbs. There's multiple galaxies worth of different races and peoples. So I say all that as a compliment and as a criticism. Like, I don't even know if any of those genres matter. I I honestly can't even say. I I don't know if one of them was even compelling or coherent enough to matter, frankly. Like, they all just kind of mushed (laughs) together (laughs) into this maddeningly paced, insane story. All I know for sure coming out of this is that... As far as graphic novel artists go, and I'm not a hugely versed person, I have maybe 10 on my shelf, 10 to 20 on my shelf, I don't think there's any better at Mobius than marrying kind of grandiosity with clarity, and like the space battles of this book, the bizarre worlds that it jumps to, really needed it, and it delivers, the art delivers, so whether or not the story is fully coherent in the end, to me it's all about the images in this book. They're unforgettable. They're really insane. And yeah, like they are unhinged. There are concepts in here that are totally unhinged. And I think it's worth a read. Um, It's definitely worth contemplating, worth considering. I I do think this was worth the ride. We criticize it a good amount, but every criticism comes with a bit of wonder, you know, and a bit of awe Mm -hmm. (laughs) at at what's been drawn. So, yeah, I think it was worth it. Yeah, it definitely was worth it. Like, the artwork is definitely what made it and yeah unhinged is such a great word for this (laughs) it is it is it's like no that no editors man this film can did you see that this is this film adaptation is attached to taika waititi he's like really trying to make it a movie Really? Why? To me, it seems so unfilmable. <laughs> like I, when I read that headline, I just guffaw. And I, and I once joked, you know, pre, you want me to do my hipster thing here? When HBO oh, yeah. announced Game of Thrones, I had already read most of that series. This was like pre-production, like when they announced it. And I'll never forget my friend. Uh, we were driving to a bar once, and I went on a big rant about how they were unfilmable. I was like, "This is such a foolish idea. It'll be cool to see them try, but like, ah, here's the reasons it can't be done. Here's this. Here's that. Of course, they did." try you know to mix success uh, in some ways great in some cases a bit of a failure but i but like this i will go on the same rant now try and be the hipster first person to say it but like this is on they should not do this this is such a mistake <laughs> whatever the hell they're gonna make is like not gonna be worthy in a sense it'll be way more worthy because i'm sure it'll actually have character development perhaps or relationships yeah. that it makes sense but in the other on the other hand it's like even our cgi cannot compete with this our cgi is not ready to render this story yeah the there's gonna be man maybe they would just like later remake it kind of like how star wars right they just inserted a whole bunch of like rando cgi things mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah the future. yeah <laughs> just They'll just uh, update it. it. They need to space uh, Space Odyssey, 2001 Space Odyssey. Basically, if you've watched to the end of that movie where they're like wandering around some bedrooms and there's the space child and the psychedelic journey of landscapes, that's just this whole thing. 
roughly speaking. (laughs) That's just, are you going to make a two and a half hour version of that, I guess? We'll find out (laughs) with occasionally some How are they going to render Depot is my question. Who knows? They can CGI anything, but I I think this is unfilmable. We'll see. Some mediums (laughs) need to be left alone. (laughs) Um, We'll end here with the final segment, though it's going to be different today. It's a quote for clarification. So with a prose, a piece of prose or poetry, we would read a quote. I think Amanda's got one prepped. Do you want to go first then? Do you have something like from the book you want to share? Sure. Um, So mine is a panel from page 14. Um, So it's towards the beginning, and we're actually just getting to know our uh, main main character, the protagonist, the reluctant hero. Of course. (laughs) John Defool. So the panel is really beautiful, of course, um, but I wanted to point out um, some of the actual writing. So this is not dialogue that I'm going to read, but the um, explanation strip. That goes on it. And it says, Mm -hmm. um, with her halo and her accent, I could tell she was an aristo from the uppermost level. Something smelled fishy about her, but the fresh smell of money was blocking my nose. So we get, this is an example of like the subtlety of the world building that we get. We know that there is something about a level from the uppermost level, but looking at the artwork previously we see that there's literal levels in this world mm-hmm. um and we also he's talking about a halo and an aristo so aristos have halos for whatever reason is not clarified why and an aristo we know now is what they call the upper level people anyway so what i liked about it was that we get a taste of some of the the world aspects of it and it's just kind of thrown in there without any explanation, but we don't really need an explanation because looking at the artwork, we can see that she's more upper class than he is. Like the, she's got this beautiful pink robe and the the background, she's got like a giant fish tank and everything is super clean. Whereas he's wearing like a frumpy jacket and he was like surrounded by muck in the previous page and, and all this stuff. So I, I liked that particular panel and it, and I thought that it was a good way to pinpoint that you'll get some world building, but it's like you mm-hmm. won't truly understand that world building building until you really pay close attention to both the art and pay particular attention to the to the hints that are dropped in the narrative. Totally, it's. I wish because I know you mentioned some of the political differences or like. There's a version of this book that never leaves that setting, which it quickly and swiftly abandons with aggression and goes to wilder things instantly, basically. (laughs) But there's a version of this that doesn't leave that kind of setting and digs into some of these ideas. Um, This book is not that. This book involves an alien race of bird people and a coliseum of human sacrifice. It involves a child floating through the air fighting a man who looks like... Uh, I don't even know. I was going to say, what's that artist's name? Ziggy Stardust? It involves some things beyond description, basically. I mean, we tried, but it's... Yeah. Anyway, so I am glad you called that out because it is some strong early world building. Uh, my yeah. quote for clarification does not exist. We just talked about this before recording. It is to go Google some of this, to search on the internet for some images from the Incal. I, I don't think we could do better than that. If you search for, 
I did a blanket search before hitting record on this one and like enough interesting images came up that I think you'll get a sense of the scope. You could also Google from the very early parts of the story. There's a scene with something called Suicide Alley that like I think gives a sense of the scale that Mobius gets interested in and that the story can kind of pull off. And it gives, yeah, his perspective, his scope, the the bizarre, really layered world at play here, I think shows up really clearly in that image. So maybe Google that. But I, I do think without selling, the art is going to sell this and it's what makes it so compelling and worth remembering, worth reading. So I just think you should search that. That's my quote for clarification. If you've made it this yeah. far listening to us ramble about it, then definitely give it a, a search for sure. Yeah, it's definitely worth a look. Even if you decide that you don't want to read the graphic novel, looking up some of the artwork, it's just going to, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's truly great. And that that's going to be the thing to have to sell it. Any final thoughts on the Inkal, Amanda, or Inkle, before we wrap this recommendation up? Um, nope, I'm good. All right. Well, we do have other books coming up in order. So if we fail to persuade you, our apologies. We'll do better on the next one. Our next three com- books coming up in order. Amanda will tell you about them now. Take it away. So next up is Uncommon Type, Some Stories by Tom Hanks, which is a short story compilation. Then we have Jazz by Toni Morrison, which is a novel. And then we have World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments by Amy Nozuku Matatil. Um, and that is a nonfiction work of essays, and, and it's almost like memoir-esque. Yeah, some different things coming up, then kind of some nonfiction back in there. And Toni Morrison makes yeah. her triumphant return. She does. The queen of the podcast is back. <laughs> all right we have been as i mentioned the lightly literary podcast on instagram and facebook we're there under just one word at the lightly literary podcast so follow us there if you are on a podcast platform that has ratings and recommendations we always prefer a five-star rating please and thank you <laughs> tell your friends and family etc we hope you join us for one of the books coming up soon or perhaps even the Incal. if you're feeling honestly if you're feeling brave enough be bold people um we will be spoiling <laughs> in our first episode the first half of that work so it's the chapters are through the black Incal, and then we're going to go through what lies beneath section so it's like 14 or so chapters um tune into that episode if you end up reading it with us which we hope you do and until that time We'll see you between the pages.